Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I am Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. My role allows me to engage in the Central Florida community on many levels, and it is my responsibility to help connect the dots between the college and the community at large. The dots I refer to are opportunities for college stakeholders, faculty, staff, and students to have access to leaders and professionals in our region. This helps Rollins deliver on our mission while also uplifting the brand of the college throughout Central Florida. The goal of the show is to share the role, the important role Rollins plays in town and how important the college is to our region. So thank you for joining us this morning, and it is my pleasure to introduce Philip Tiedke. Philip is the chairman of Eastgate Corporation and also the owner of the Enzion Theater, a true local treasure. Philip is a former member of the Rollins Parents Council and is currently a member of the Rollins Board of Trustees. Philip, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Sam, and uh, I appreciate your introduction because I was always curious what you actually do here, so <laughs> now I've got some idea. Now that's great. you know. Well, that, now I know. That's great. <laughs> that's right. More to come. Yeah, well, that's very good. So we have a lot to talk about today. Um, let's start by just sort of giving us the quick version of, of you know, wh where you grew up, where you're from, uh, where and where you went to school, Philip. Well, I was born here. By the way, I'm glad this is not television because I woke up this morning and as I was getting dressed, I noticed I had a big pimple on my nose. Um, <laughs> You guys Thanks. don't do makeup here, do you? We do not. No, it's kind of a cheap, Sadly. kind of a cheap uh, act here. Um, yeah. Well, basement radio. You don't even have a basement anymore, do you? Hardly. I mean, no. I, I mean, know. it's kind of a. We I actually see the sun and the daylight out I know. the window. I've, I've been down here. I, I worked in this place uh, in the late '60s, so uh, first time I've seen the studio, and uh, I like the fresh paint um, and smiling faces, but a uh, whole different, whole different show. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I was born in Winter Park, and um, let's see. I went to school until I was 13, then I went to school in Connecticut, then I went to school in California, went to Stanford, and graduate school in New York City, uh, Columbia, and then I did some postgraduate work in Switzerland. And uh, so that's kind of the schooling thing. Yeah. And uh, it just shows you that when you do all those things with all those fancy names, it gets you as far as back to Winter Park. <laughs> that's right. So Full circle. That was a whole... That was a whole lot of work for nothing, so here I am. What was your first job out of college? Out of college. Out of college. Or out of grad school. Like, did you go yeah. right to grad school Yeah, after I went back college? to grad school. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm trying to remember. You know, I did so many different things. Out of college, I got a film degree. Uh, Stanford has a really good documentary film program and for grad students, uh, 12 undergraduates in it a year. And so I got a film production degree. It's not like watching films. It's making them. So I came back here, actually, and I worked for a film production company, and then I wound up running it for a little bit. So that's, that was right after uh, college. And then uh, it's a long story. I just figured I'm back here. I don't want to be back here. And so then I went to a good buddy of mine was going to go to – well, actually, I was also studying magic. So um, <laughs> it was a choice between going back to Stanford and Columbia. And uh, Columbia, New York City at that time, had the best close-up magicians in the world. And so uh, I went to Columbia B School, and uh, you know it was uh, it was a good thing. I had some professors I loved, and uh, I'd take these lecture classes, and I'd be working half dollars on the cement floors of the lecture halls, <laughs> dropping silver half dollars on the floor, and that was always cool because it was a good training not to drop them because you'd go ding 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 ding, you know, and even the professor <laughs> would look back at you and kind of snarl. So you know, it was a 
it was it was good. So that was a uh, that's right that was between college and I forgot about that. We're, we're, we'll talk about one of your greatest contributions, but perhaps your second, maybe first greatest contribution was bringing a special guest to a Rollins Board of Trustees meeting. Oh yeah, I did that. Well, you know, it's, who was that? Uh, geez, uh, that would have been Pendulette. Um, that was awesome. You know. <laughs> So anyway, Penn and Teller, yeah, that was fun. That's so, fantastic. Anyway, so t- could you just t- tell us, you know, what's Eastgate Corporation and and um, what what all are you involved with? Well, Eastgate uh, primary business is agriculture, farming, and uh, it's a well. It's short story is uh, we grow. Uh, you know, we're, we've got ag operations in five counties in Florida, um, primarily sugarcane and sweet corn, and uh, we've been doing that for a while and. Uh, Sweet corn, there has been a point in time where we had the, if you had fresh corn in America, it came from our farm. So our specialty is that uh, we have warm land and we grow it. uh, We plant now from October uh, through April. And so we are harvesting corn for seven months out of the year. But when it gets really cold, we uh, fly helicopters over it and uh, overnight and keep the frost off it. So uh, Mm. we just, uh, you know, we can pick, grade A corn when no one else can. We don't, we're not big. Uh, we're small. I mean, there are people who have, you know, they do Florida and they're in Georgia and Texas and they just do it all year round and they're huge. Uh, we're a small operation, but uh, we just specialize in, in doing uh, very best quality uh, sweet corn uh, for eating and uh, and try and have it when no one else does. It's Fantastic. kind of a crapshoot, but it seems to work. So that's, that's fan- that. I love it. That's awesome. So anyone who knows anything about Rollins uh, knows the Tiedke name and probably knows your father, knows of your father, John Tiedke, who was a longtime trustee and, like you, a generous benefactor. What was his entry point to Rollins and, and what, what, do you, what was sort of his story that, that got him to Rollins? My grandfather built a winter home here in about 1900. And uh, so my dad grew up here, uh, you know, as a kid. Uh, they were from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, my grandfather was in the grocery business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so dad, you know, he was here winters. And uh, when he graduated, uh, well, business brought him to Florida. So he was already down here. And my mother uh, came from overseas. And uh, she was a city person. She was born in Vienna. And uh, his business, my father wound up actually getting into agriculture uh, by accident during the Depression because uh, for a lot of reasons. But, I mean, basically there was a food shortage and it tied into uh, what we'd been into. So he wound up, uh, you know, down in South Florida uh, growing, uh, you know, growing crops. And uh, my mother being uh, from a big city overseas, uh, that just wasn't going to suit her too well living in a what was really, a you know, towns with dirt roads and one gas station and no restaurants. So... Uh, when they married, he basically retired from the business and turned it over to a manager and settled down here and started teaching, uh, you know, basically just made his life uh, Rollins College. And, uh, you know, he started, well, he basically, it's a long story, but he got involved with the administration here and, and uh, Hugh McCain. And, you know, they wound up where Hugh was president and uh, my dad was treasurer. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, he just dedicated the second half of his life really to you could almost say pretty much, um, you know, public service. I mean, Rollins and, right. and music and, and the arts and uh, just gave up uh, trying to grow a business. That's that was what he wanted to do. So fantastic. I love it. He must have been a tennis player. When I came here in 1987 and walked on the tennis team, it's 
spent a lot of time on those tiki courts. So I assume he was a tennis player. Uh, he, he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh, – he hit till he was in his 80s, and at that point he was just blocking a lot of balls. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. That <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. yeah, he loved tennis. He was nuts for it. So, so do you have any any you know memories, any sort of stories of the? Of the I can only imagine the Hugh McCain, John Tiki stories. There has to be one or two that you remember that you're willing to share publicly. Well, I knew. I mean, sure. I mean, I knew a lot, but I mean, uh, you know, they were my godparents and Uncle Hugh and Aunt Jeanette. They didn't have any kids, so when we were little, um, well, first of all, Dad and Uncle, they, their homes were next to each other um, on Magnolia in downtown Orlando. In other words, when my parents would come down, or my grandfather would come down from Toledo in the winter, my dad lived next door to Uncle Hugh as children. So they were childhood best friends, and uh, that's how they. Got to stay best friends until you know one of them died, and uh, they uh, you know they did the great uh, tour of Europe together in the early '30s, and uh, they uh, you know did all kinds of things together. Dad was a great fan of uh, Uncle Hugh's artwork; he collected his paintings, and uh, Uncle Hugh liked my dad's photography. You know, they just uh, you know they they were pals. That's fantastic. And, and uh, but you know when they were little, when we were little, uh, you know. Uncle Hugh and Jeanette, they didn't have any kids, so they would invite us over for like Easter egg hunts. You know, when we were children, they'd put on Easter egg hunts for us. And, and every, uh, you know, like Christmas, uh, they'd hold this uh, Christmas party for faculty and uh, over at Winsong. And we were the only kids there because I'm not sure why. Well, because it wasn't for kids, but they invited the two of us. So we'd be there and it'd be all grownups and uh, – you know, I got to know some of the faculty at Granbury and these various people because they were always there. Um, but, you know, we kind of had the run of the house because nobody paid attention to us anyway. And uh, the food on the table was pretty good, but there was nothing to drink. All there was was eggnog and water, and, you know, we didn't get very f- far with that. <laughs> you know, we couldn't stand you know. So I got to run around the house upstairs and downstairs and turn the fountains on and do all this stuff and play around the whole, you know, I learned how to work the burglar system in the house and all this because, you know, it was I had pretty much – Nobody paid attention to me. I ignored So I could, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, I found a switch somewhere. They didn't tell me until later. I found a switch that turned a, a light in every single room of the house on. It was like a burglar thing, you know, if there's a burglar. And they couldn't figure out how to turn it off again. So they finally had to get an electrician to come cut the wire somewhere. I don't know. That's so, awesome. I don't know. Anyway, oh, that's amazing. But, you know, he was, anyway, so they were very sweet that's to us. Awesome. And, you know, around every Christmas and, uh, you know, Easter and such because, you know, it was – that's just they like obviously good yeah. to have a couple of little children around. That's fantastic. So. I love that. The Bach Festival is uh, is is so closely uh, synonymous with uh, with the Tiki family. Uh, safe to say, it wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you and your father. Uh, it's a community treasure. Why why is it? Why was it uh, such a, an important um, part of of the family legacy? Well, my dad was crazy about. Uh, you know, choral music. And uh, if you go back, way back, first of all, he used to sing in it at one point. He liked to sing too. He had an okay voice. I didn't know that. And only once in a while we'd be in a church somewhere and we got to singing him, all of a sudden he'd pipe up and go, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> you know, he had a, he was a bass. I didn't know that. But all of a sudden he'd go, oh, you know, I'd go, ah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I'm going, where'd that thing come from? So, um, but, um, so, yeah, it's, uh, so he loved singing, and he loved uh, choral music. And uh, if you go back, 
1950, there wasn't much in this town in the way of, um, you know, professional, and I'm using that in the broader sense of not necessarily unionized, paid, because the choir still isn't paid, but, you know, a professional in the sense of actually trained, regularly uh, rehearsing, uh, professionally, you know, performing in a hall at a professional level, which the Bach Festival was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were orchestras would kind of come and go, uh, and there was no uh, opera at that point or, you know, anything else. So um, it was uh, what there was. Yeah. And he really sunk his teeth into it and kept it going, and he helped, you know, started early symphony, you know, the symphonies. I think uh, the current one is maybe the third iteration. Uh, opera is at least the second, um, you know, so. Love it. Wow. You take what you got and you what, play the hand you're dealt. What a and legacy. that's not to say it is secondary to any other uh, musical organization that exists. Sure. Uh, but, uh, again, you you know, you take what there is and you run with it. Yeah. Your your dad's involvement got you involved uh, at times here where we're where we're sitting, not in this studio exactly as it was. But you you have some WPRK stories and uh, and memories. Yeah, well, I mean, I did the uh, um, you know what there was to do uh, for a summer, which was essentially uh, play you know NPR tapes and uh, play classical music, which is I think, and there may have been a jazz. Program. I don't remember. I think it was just classical music during this. This was during the summer, so it wasn't during the student year because right. I was going to school up north. I was a high school kid, and uh, and so I, I did that, which was well. The, the, the doing the programs was not that exciting after you'd done it a couple times. But the station manager was a guy named Mark Frucci, and Mark Frucci is the one who built the station and had it donated, and he had been, he retired here, and he had been the chief engineer for a company called the Recording, uh, <laughs> the, let me get it right, the, I think it would be the Recording St Studio of America. Okay. Have you ever heard of them? I have not, but that doesn't Well, they much. changed their name to RCA. Heard of them. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so RCA, he was RCA's head uh, engineer, and uh, I've got some old LPs of my father's where you've got Benny Goodman and Bing Crosby where uh, Mark Frucci has his credit on the label as the only, you know, other than the actual performing artist. And he started in the business back when you used to record a symphony or an artist all mechanically where you had basically a big, uh, what would you call it, uh, simply like a big megaphone in reverse and it went all the way down to a diaphragm with a steel needle that cut an original lacquer. Uh, and he went all the way through to where in a um, science fair project in eighth grade, he taught me how to build an audio amplifier out of transistors. And I went to the science fair, you know, with, an, with an oscilloscope he gave me, he loaned me, and uh, this, you know, this really messy <laughs> single stage uh, seven transistor audio amplifier I built, you know, to show how an audio amplifier works at the, uh, you know, at the science fair. So, I mean, he knew the whole gamut of history of recorded sound from totally mechanical to solid state. And he got RCA to donate an entire studio, transmit the whole works. I mean, everything except the actual walls and roof right. uh, to, uh, to Rollins. And that was what I uh, you know, knew. And he taught me how to maintain it and how it worked, everything. And uh, it was the finest recording studio. I mean, it's the building you knew. Right. And it was the finest recording studio in Florida. I mean, there was none better when it was put in. 
And uh, so it was quite, you know, he, then he taught me what he could of, of, you know, electronics, which I didn't learn very much because I didn't really learn the much of the theory, but he sure knew it. Yeah. And uh, and that was uh, quite a quite a, a blessing that I was able to spend that much time around uh, that man because he was quite a, uh, uh, you know, really inside the origins of the recording business. Yeah. Uh, at the front of uh, that in the whole entire world. Love so. that. One day we'll need to dedicate a whole show to the history of WPRK because it is, it's rich. I mean, the, the, the amount of the people who've come through here in, in, in different ways and forms is is really pretty amazing. Yep. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was just amazing that Rollins wound up with that and uh, that, uh, you know, he could reach. And, of course, the signal would bounce around. He had letters coming from, you know, opposite end of the planet, you know, <laughs> and it'd bounce off the one level of the ionosphere or something, and they'd pick up WPRK in, you know, Siberia. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah. I so. love it. I love it. So let's talk about your service to Rollins. You've been on the board of trustees for a dozen plus years, uh, started on, with President Lewis Duncan, now obviously with President uh, Cornwell and his entire tenure here. What, what, what's impressed you about sort of the evolution of Rollins and, and particularly under Grant's leadership um, as, as president of the college? Is this what you ask everyone who comes on the show? It is not. Okay, well, <laughs> you, you ask someone and you got a bad answer and you're not asking, uh, no, you figure I'm a safe the, bet? What are we doing here? We'll just see. It just okay. depends on the person. <laughs> okay. Well, no, obviously Grant, uh, I mean, I think everyone's a fan of Grant and, uh, you know, the way he's managed uh, COVID has been remarkable and uh, – Especially watching, uh, I mean, my alma maters, they both shut down. They're still not, uh, you know, up and holding in-person classes. Uh, but, I mean, California, they're both. I mean, New York and California, <laughs> your hands are tied anyway. So yeah. it's kind of difficult to – but also larger universities have um, – it's, it's difficult when you've got 6,000 students or 12,000 counties. Stanford is 12,000 with their graduate students. So, if, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to manage these things. And, uh, but still – uh, Rollins has done a remarkable job, and uh, Grant has. And, uh, of course, he didn't have – you know, he had a couple of things broken in his favor, you know, with the uh, lakeside coming online and uh, thankfully with Allen Ginsberg having that uh, – all of it open up, you know, by, I guess by the end of October, I think. I mean, all of those things fell into place. But, I mean, Grant made the right calls, and everything worked out well, and uh, – those students who wanted to were able to uh, attend, and that was extremely uh, fortuitous. But also, uh, it worked out as it couldn't have worked out better for the school. And yeah. I've, I don't know if any there are few, if any, uh, you know, institutions were able to pull that off. So that's a remarkable thing for Rollins. Yeah, no and doubt. I hope the word gets out that Rollins did such a good job. I think it is, and it has, and uh, and will continue to. Yeah, because uh, you're right. It, um, it, it's been an amazing year. We, we had semi-dire projections and predictions for this year, and we were wrong. And I, I don't think many of us could be more, more happy that we were uh, wrong in that regard. Yeah. So generically, as a businessman, um, you know, you, hear, you, hear, you often hear narratives out there about the value of higher education and the value of a college degree. We're, we're, I think I know your answer. I hope I know your answer. But where, where do you sit as a businessman to, to that narrative that you don't need a college degree necessarily to, uh, you know, sort of be successful in, in, in the American dream? Well, I don't have a good answer to that. Well, I have – the problem is that not that I don't have a good one. There are many different answers, and that answer is changing rapidly right now. 
And mm. uh, so, uh, you know, the answer today might not be the answer three or four years from now because uh, the first question is liberal arts education. First of all, you're talking about high school. And right now, on average, in high school, half the kids who show up in community colleges need remedial English and math. Mm. And those are the ones who try to go to community colleges. So you start off with this huge problem in America's high schools. And that's a broader, you're not asking me that broader question. So you start off with that, why even talk about college? Mm -hmm. So you've got that problem. Now, once you get to college, um, assuming they get remedial classes so they can add and subtract and, and write something. <laughs> I mean, I was with somebody last night having this discussion and, uh, and they said, you know, we get these things in, all I do is look at the cover letter and see if they can write it all. And if they can write it all, they're in the door. Yeah. You know, that's how bad it is for yeah. what they're looking for. So there you are. So now if we're talking about people who actually are bright enough and they have the basic skills, <laughs> you know, what's college worth? Well then, you know, that's a, that, that depends again. And um, because colleges, you know, uh, it depends on, you know, I, I, some people are so motivated that they could just learn that stuff on their own. And what they won't get is they won't get the connections. They won't get the, you know, the contacts that you get in a prestige school. And um, they won't get the social skills. Um, but they could get the knowledge. Right. So then you've got the question of what kind of education do you want? Because you've got the, uh, the let's say, the liberal arts concept of broadening your mind and being flexible and all that, which, you know, is obviously has a value, but it's harder to nail down. And people are trying to measure that. And, you know, the, there's a lot of controversy about that. And Grant is a great proponent of it. I've heard him, uh, you know, uh, speak on it uh, at, uh, you know, lecture on it. Uh, and, uh, and there's also, you know, as you know, a great, um, you know, swell saying, well, what you really need is more practical uh, learning that can be applied more quickly. And uh, by looking at who people he will come in here and they want to major in IB, even if they don't stick with it, obviously that's what students think too. Right. So you've got that question. Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got the way people, you know, are trained in other countries and in Europe uh, where they've got lots of trade schools. And, uh, uh, you know, you've got Figures that show if you go out and learn how to be a welder, how to be a machinist, all these other trades, you're going to average a higher paycheck than you will going to uh, your typical. If you've got 5,000 institutions of higher learning, you know, uh, and you go to you pick, you skim off the top 100, you're better off learning a tr uh, you know yeah. one of those machine trades. Right. You're going to earn better. So those are I don't have an answer. No, it's, it's a lot. You got an onion here with a lot of layers. No doubt. So I, I don't I can't say that. Um, uh, you know, liberal arts is the best thing for everyone. And it also depends on who's going to pay. Yeah. You know, if you're going to pay and your parents are going to pay, that's one question. If the government's going to pay for you, it's a different question. Yeah. So, Sam. Good question. What's Good answer. your answer? <laughs> well, Sam, what's so, your answer? I think mine probably aligns a lot with yours at uh, different schools or for different people at different times of their life. And I think there's great schools like Rollins and others that, you know, not everybody has to go or, or needs to or is ready to go to school at after they graduate from high school, assuming they do. And so sometimes it's okay to go try another course and another pathway and then circle back and go to Hamilton Holt School, for example, and uh, and, and sort of relaunch and restart careers and uh, pathways. So 
Well, let me give you this quick answer even differently, because I went to Stanford as an undergraduate. I wound up having th changing majors three times. I went as a physics major, because I AP'd through two quarters, they're on a quarter system, two quarters of uh, physics, two quarters of differential calculus, and so they, put, they wanted to say, hey, you're going to be a physics major, okay? And I lasted maybe a year. I forget what happened. It was the 60s. It was the end of the Vietnam War, okay? Um, and then I switched to psychology. Now, I don't know why in the world. I went overseas, actually, because they had a, a, a campus in, in Vienna. My mother's from Vienna. I'm fluent in German. I wanted to go there. That's one of the reasons I went there, okay? Right. Big reason. Sounds I wanted to go to Vienna for a year. And so I did that. So that's psych professors over there and whatever. I thought that sounds good. After a little bit of that, I figured these guys, the science, these science, this whatever you're going to call this uh, school, it needs to some more work. These are hypothetical things that are after you get off of the basics. This doesn't. This isn't working. So then um, I wound up getting the degree. Like I said, I managed to get into the 12 kids who got into the graduate film program as an undergraduate. Spent the last year working, you know, cutting film in the editing room at night and doing all this stuff, and that was great. Uh, but I took, I took, I did take more math there. Wanted with a fair amount of math, uh, high school and college. Took, you know, got a couple more physics courses in. I took some great, you know, I took, had to take English courses. They still had basically a broad program. I took, you know, um, anthropology courses. I took, I mean, I took pretty much half, um, you know, liberal arts course. I mean, I got a liberal arts education out of Stanford. Plus, I got in, did my time, you know, in math and physics. I mean, right. it was not a I, – I got it all. Definitely. You know, so, I mean, what the heck? You know, I mean, it's – Great experience. You know, so you could yeah. do that – you could do that almost anywhere. I don't know. You can, get some, you can get some of that here. So I don't see a big distinction. I think you ought, if you go and you spend 60000 bucks a year, you ought to have a, <laughs> a smorgasbord of choices here. I mean, you shouldn't have to be stuck in, you know, just taking a, you know, yep. a, a soft – courses, if you will. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you don't, if you hate math, okay, but, you know, so yeah. I mean, it's just this, those distinctions maybe are, should be false distinctions and, uh, yeah. and, but I mean, you're not going to learn a trade. I mean, you can come here and work in the shop all the time and, you know, learn how to make a, you know, a chest of drawers. I mean, that's not where it's at. Right. Right. Anyway. So I'm going to transition a little bit to an email that the college uh, received on Friday, May 12th from President Cornwell. I'm just going to read the first paragraph, but he said, I am pleased to announce a $3 million grant from the Florida Charities Foundation towards the college's new theater and dance facility. The foundation has issued the grant to show support for Rollins College's stewardship of its educational program throughout the current pandemic and its confidence in the college's liberal arts mission and future. And you, as a, a trustee of the Florida Charities Foundation, uh, we're instrumental in making that gift happen. Um, so obviously, and first and foremost, thank you. Uh, can you talk about a little bit more about why and, and why now for, for a gift like that? Well, the why is because Rollins needs it. I mean, basically, they've got the you know theater program. The Fred Stone Theater came down. Uh, the kids are spread around. Uh, they don't have a respectable rehearsal hall on campus at all, actually. Uh, same thing with dance. I don't even think they've got uh, a sprung stage or a sprung floor wherever they're rehearsing. Is on some, they've got some office building down there, you know, off of Park Avenue, off of New York, where they're, yep. whatever they're doing. Uh, you know, I mean, the costume shop is, you know, retail space off of Park Avenue, I think, in the SunTrust building. Yeah, I mean, it's just that. And, uh, I mean, this COVID thing has kind of stopped everything up. Everyone's concerned about what's happening. People are holding on to their pocketbooks. And so... 
you know, I just got uh, tired of, uh, you know, nothing moving ahead. And so, and looking at uh, the spreadsheet for the various capital projects, it wound up to where there's this $3 million hole to get this project going ahead. So I said, okay, here's the money, get the thing started. So that was it. I, love I mean, so there well, you have it. That's incredibly <laughs> generous and uh, uh, incredibly meaningful because the theater program is, I think, one of our, I don't know if it's a hidden gem or not, but it's a gem, no no doubt about it. So um, the, the the plans to, to have that built is uh, is so significant for the college. Does the, uh, the, the, the foundation is, is a family? Um, yeah, it's a family foundation. foundation. Uh, my dad founded it in 57, uh, and uh, we do stuff. We haven't done anything big. I think we haven't done anything big since my father passed away, so I figured, you know, let's see if we can still do something. And uh, I think the last larger thing we did was probably uh, helping out with the uh, Tiki Concert Hall. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, theater and dance aren't necessarily uh, – I would probably uh, – if there weren't an urgent need, try to do something that would stimulate the uh, academic rigor at Rollins. That would be more where my biggest interest would lie. But, you know, I have a little soft spot for theater because uh, people don't even know who he was anymore. But there was a graduate here. His name was Tony Perkins. Yeah. Uh, he was an actor. and uh, But he was my babysitter. So, uh, you know, back <laughs> when I was little, uh, you know, he took care of me as a kid. And uh, the only gripe that my parents had was he drank all the milk in the refrigerator. <laughs> But uh, I did get to see him on Broadway a couple times, and uh, you know he was very kind to us. That's so fantastic. You know, got some some soft spot there for theater. Well, you you have more than a soft spot. Uh, the Enzian Theater is uh, is a is a family uh, entity for uh, for you and um, uh, Sig. Can you talk about the Enzian? I mean, it's a it, it's one of the greatest cultural uh, and social uh, uh, treasures of the community. Uh, I know it's last year has just had to have been miserable. Are you this nice to everybody? Um, no, just the just the ones who give us three million dollars. Well, who do you? Well, why don't you get somebody on you can be really mean to? <laughs> well, maybe you got to be a shock jock and sort of tear people up for a while. I mean, <laughs> that's this right. Just, Doesn't align I, with the brand to the show so much. If you're not this nice to everybody, it gets really boring. No, listen. I mean, the truth is, Enzian's amazing. So I mean, well, it's a good place, right? It's nice. You know, it's down the hall there. You can. So talk about it a little bit. I mean, uh, what is it? What you know? I, I know it's uh, it's it's evolved certainly over uh, over a period of time, and and I think there are plans and wishes and hopes and dreams for it to continue to evolve. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's a uh, it was my sister's idea. She thought it up and she had it designed and built, and it is a single screen art cinema. It is designed like a dinner theater. So it is a Large, the main theater is a large hall. It's 5,000 square feet, but it only has 250 seats. It could have had many more, but it's t a tiered seating like a dinner theater. The tables and chairs move around, and it serves food to you, um, which is all ordered, uh, prepared to order, meaning it's not uh, yep. prepared ahead of time and rolled out, which is a very difficult thing to do because you get 200 people ordering at once, which a <laughs> restaurant would shoot you for. Uh, and it's in that sense, when it first opened, she had a, a gourmet chef, Mark Rodriguez, who also had a gourmet restaurant next door on our property, Jordan's Grove, uh, handling the food service in there. So it was really America's first gourmet cinema. And, uh, and there we are. And uh, it's on a th over three-acre property. It was an old homestead. It's got these 200-year-old oaks. It's a pretty piece of property. Beautiful. So there's that, and then uh, at one point I founded the Florida Film Festival, and it's going to celebrate its 30th anniversary starting on 
in about a week and a half, week from Friday, I think. So that's great. So there we have that. So it's a it's a nice thing. Well, uh, more than nice. Uh, I can't leave the NZN without a plug for your wife, Sigrid, and or Sig, who. Um, uh, I, when I was running the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, she was uh, on the board and just always a, uh, a smiling face and a, and a smart uh, perspective in the room. So uh, I assume she's listening. I assume you told her you're going to be on the radio. Mm, Maybe not. No, I think <laughs> I think she hears me talk too much. Too much. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. no, but she's great. Yeah, that logo that Chambers has still is she had it designed. I don't know if you know that. It's still the thing with the park bench and the tree or something like that yeah that's still yeah in, in she use. had it done yeah walter Niels did the drawing but it was her concept to do that yeah i love it no she's the yeah. best so transition a little bit um you know rollins students right the p- part of the show is designed for rollins students to hopefully listen in and and um what, what advice are you offering to rollins students uh, particularly people who are you know maybe getting ready to graduate and pursue their 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 careers well, I wish I knew more about Rollins students. I know a few because my uh, son is engaged to an ex-Rollins student, and sometimes, and her brothers. She has one who's will be graduating, actually, uh, in May, and uh, so I talked to them. But uh, I'd love to have a, a you know closer hand on, uh, you know, what the real sense is right now of. Uh, how things are on campus. But, uh, I mean, I can't offer you any advice that you wouldn't hear from other people because, uh, you know, things are tough right now. The market's tough. Job market's tough. And, uh, you know, uh, the world is changing quickly. And you know the you know the, the pulse of the nation probably much better than I do. You're much closer to it than I am. Uh, so I don't, you know, I'm not going to try and <laughs> offer you any. I don't have any great wisdom there. Um, it's... Uh, it's a it's an unsettling time. Wish it weren't. Yeah, you you had a uh, a daughter that graduated from Rollins over ten years ago, and so how how was the, do you remember how was the college search process um, as a as a local guy and somebody obviously with such connections to Rollins? Did you did you want her to stay here? Did you did did you want her to go wherever she wanted to go? How, how was well, that? Well, she started off at NYU, and okay. she did that because she basically uh, she wanted to be an actor. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> you know, what can I say? Right. Well, she's a very, very determined person. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, she is bright, and she said, I want to be an actor. I want to go to NYU Tisch School. End of story. You can leave the room now. <laughs> I left the room. <laughs> what can I do? That's right. You know? And so she applied early admissions, got in. That was the end of that. After a month, she said, I don't want to be an actor, and I don't want to be at NYU, but I'll finish the year. So that's what she did. Fantastic. And so then she said, um, and I want to go to a different college. But it has to be in a warm place um, that has palm trees. And it has to be near the ocean, but not too close. And mm, good if it has theme parks nearby. And uh, let's see, what else did she say? I can't remember. (laughs) But... um, by the time she got done, Rollins was the only school that would qualify. <laughs> Perfect. Happens her boyfriend was here. <laughs> Often helps. <laughs> so again, there was not a lot yeah, of wiggle room as to where she was going to go. Got it. So that's good. She showed up here. That's all right. So you know, the show Rollins Around Town is is partially designed to um, help inform people about 
Rollins around town. Where, where do you see Rollins around town? In other words, not just the brand of the school, but as you deal with people in business, as you deal with people socially, politically, um, is Rollins, how is Rollins around town in your perspective? Well, it's like uh, once you um, get a Toyota, everyone else has one. So <laughs> if you're connected with Rollins, then you, 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 you sort of see people who have graduated or at least uh, you know, gone there uh, pretty much everywhere. So, uh, you know, they're, uh, they, we have, uh, you know, Rollins people work for us at the theater. We have Rollins people who, uh, you know, are around us. I mean, like I said, I'm, you know, my daughter graduated. Uh, my son's about to marry a Rollins grad. Um, you know, it's just, you know, they're everywhere. So good. Um, so we like to hear. I just, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you see the license plates everywhere. I yeah. try to be non-denominational. I mean, I try to wear, you notice, I don't have anything on my shirt. There's no <laughs> right. uh, logo, no nothing. I try to be unbranded. My car doesn't have, my tag is neutral. Yeah. I mean, I would. I, I don't wear Stanford either or Columbia or, you know, nothing. I just try to, I don't even have a watch, you know. <laughs> right. Just, so, you know, I try to, just because everybody else does it, but, you know. If you want to change that, you you know who to come to. <laughs> yeah, I have all the stuff. I okay. put it on when I come to a Rollins thing. Okay. I just, you know, I just... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's, well, fair uh, enough. I just, uh, you know, it's, then I wear the wrong shirt to the wrong thing, and I get you know dinged by it. So it's I forget what I'm wearing. So I just yeah, understandable. Yeah. You know, anyway, so no, well, you see it. I mean, you know, you see it all around, and um, that's great. So. Yeah. Well, can't thank you enough for all you do for Rollins um, and for the Central Florida community. Um, you, you, Why don't you tell some knock-knock jokes? I mean, I'm going to get something some, out of you. I mean, I got nothing. <laughs> no, come on. That's not true. I, you know, you're a wonderful guy. Well, what about this? Now, have you done a show on the new statue? We have not. That's, that's on our schedule. We're okay. going to do it for the, for the uh, Mr. Rogers sculpture for sure. Will you let call-ins? I'd like to know what students think. Yeah, uh, we haven't done call-ins. I've, I've only mostly not allowed that because I have some friends who, who I know listen and, and track us a little bit. And uh, I'm a little They'll call in and try that. and get you or something? That's right. Well, what's wrong with that? That's right. Oh. We have an Put awesome- Put a time delay on. Boy, you can sit right. there with the red button. You know. Sammy over here, I our, think you're our, our senior uh, board operator and marketing coordinator would, would help us. And so uh, that could be part of the show one day, okay. one day. So, um, well, that was great. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks for all you do for Rollins. Uh, truly appreciate it. And um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, see you down you the road. Okay. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today at Rollins Around Town. Uh, I do thank Sammy, our, uh, our board operator and marketing coordinator, for helping with so many things uh, for the show uh, behind the scenes. And um, to keep updated on our show and our guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town. And subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, we thank Philip Tiedke, and we wish you all a great day. Thanks. <laughs>